0: Your number one source for everything
1: Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal.
2: Welcome to Picks for Polls, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, Usaid Kolschel. We're recording this episode on Wednesday, uh, August 31st, the last day of August here, and a uh, big day in terms of the Bears here, as uh, we finally, yesterday, got our cut down to the 53-man roster, and there were some big moves for the Bears today, which we're going to be discussing for uh, today's episode, as long as, as long as a little bit of a uh, a little bit of college football talk as well, but you said uh, before we get into any, any of the nitty gritty here, how are you doing today, man?
1: I'm doing well. I mean, roster cut day officially signifies the start of the true kind of regular season preparation, so I'm excited. We're about 10 or 11 days out from the Bears' first regular season game, so it's going to get here quick, and it's going to be more of an exciting season than I think a lot of people are anticipating
2: yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited for it. You know, we uh, we weren't able to talk about that last preseason game for the Bears but uh, against the Browns, but there's a lot of exciting stuff. I wasn't able to watch the game live, but uh, going back and watching it, I, I watched it again today before recording uh, this podcast just to get another fresh look at it. And um, I, I thought, you know, throughout the preseason, we saw improvement from this team. I, you know, there's not only so much you can put into it with preseason. You know, there's so many – moving factors and whatnot. So it's really hard to make any big conclusions from there. But, um, you know, I want to dig into, you know, the roster cutdowns today today and some of the moves that the Bears made because, you know, I, I think going into this offseason and throughout the offseason, you know, it, it, it has been a little bit of trepidation on my part because I don't want to get burnt again by falling in love with the front office. And I, I've kind of disagreed with a lot of what Ryan Bulls has done this off season for building this team. Like I I would have just, you know, philosophically wise, like I get like to clear out the cap space and whatnot and all that stuff smart, but um, you know, some of the roster decisions, you know, and philosophy here, I haven't quite agreed with here, but I loved like pretty much everything he did today in terms of some of the, you know, wire waiver wire pickups and being aggressive there. Um, So I, I think for me, that's kind of my biggest takeaway is, you know, you look at, Ryan Poles, clearly understanding that this is a rebuilding team, rebuilding situation, you know, why not take a lot of chances on, instead of sticking with the status quo here of guys in the roster, why not take a chance on some guys who have been cut around the league with high upside and bring them in here and see if, uh, you know, give them a chance to compete and see what they can do. That's kind of my big takeaway.
1: It certainly is. And I think that one of the bigger kind of waiver wire pickups for the Bears and across the NFL in general was 2020 first-round pick Alex Leatherwood. You're looking at a guy who did not even make it to his full contract with the Raiders. Again, being a first-round pick, the Bears did pick up his entire salary. And so that, I think, is an interesting situation because if you remember the Oakland, well, the Las Vegas Raiders now under John Gruden, they had about five first-round picks as a result of the trades where the franchise traded away Khalil Mack as well as Amari Cooper in the same seasons, really. And so then what happens is Leatherwood kind of declares for the 2021 NFL draft. You know, he was the 17th overall pick. And you and I were on this podcast, I remember, last year talking about what we felt regarding Leatherwood, And I think our big takeaway was that he was a player that was phenomenal as an offensive tackle in college, but his best fit at the NFL level was honestly going to be guard because he just did not seem to have the arm length needed to play tackle on the outside in the NFL. And so the Bears went ahead, picked him up. He's got about four seasons remaining on his rookie deal. And now I think it's really one of those where you look at and you're like, okay, things didn't work out in Las Vegas, but at the end of the day, he is a player that a lot of people still believe is a year or two away from realizing his full potential. Now, in the context of the Bears, I think that this is one of those where when you look at the offensive line long term, you Don't really know what the future holds for Cody White here as well as Lucas Patrick. And then you've got Tevin Jenkins, Larry Borum, and Braxton Jones who, if all goes well, they're going to be with the team in 2023. But then you have Alex Leatherwood who could very easily be competing for a spot as long as he just does his homework this year in 2022 and gets his career back on track come next offseason. He could be one of the names we talk about as a starter for the offensive line.
2: Yeah, Leatherwood's an uh, interesting pickup because, like you said, first-round pick, you know, of, of the Raiders. He was one of those picks, though, where everyone kind of knew, like, he, he wasn't really considered a first-round talent going into that year's draft. Like, I had him as a day-two uh, talent, for sure, on my board for, for what it's worth. But I think most people around NFL, you know, circles and, uh, and on 12, NFL Twitter, they all, they all trashed the Raiders for that pick at the time because that was – clearly a reach at the time, and it kind of proved to be a reach for the Raiders because, you know, Leatherwood, he legitimately was one of the worst offensive linemen in football. That's not hyper-pull. Like, he was really bad. They tried him at tackle. They tried him at guard. It just didn't work. And the fact that the Raiders this year under new management, you know, for him to be a former first-round pick and for them to cut ties with him after seeing him all throughout camp going to his second year and eating all that dead money that they had to eat um, to get him off the roster, like, it – you know, it's telling of where he's at in his career right now, but you look at Leatherwood, he is a very athletic player, especially if you play him at guard. Um, you know, his, his athleticism I think tracks, or I should say translates a little bit better to guard than it does to tackle. You know, I, I question a lot of his foot speed and technique on the edge when playing tackle coming out of college. Um, that was one of my biggest concerns with him. Like I was out there at the senior bowl, um, and watched him just get beat routinely, uh, by quicker, faster edge rushers. Um, in the one-on-one drills and it was just tough to watch because he just did not have that foot speed to really um establish and and push these guys around the, the edge of the pocket and was just let them go right past him uh it was pretty frustrating to watch but uh you bring him in here he's got some talent to him uh i'm not saying he doesn't like he's got the athletic ability he's got you know good size good strength it's just a matter of can he put it all together um and there is there is some upside there to be had so i'm i'm glad that the bears We're willing to take a chance on that. Now, I kind of tweeted out there was a lot of speculation that Leatherwood was going to get traded to a team um, before he got cut. Um, And, you know, I I was the opinion that, like, again, I tweeted this out out today, but I was like, you know, I would have thought very negatively if the Bears would have gone out there and traded for Leatherwood because, um, you know, that would be just, you know, they already burned a draft pick on Nikhil Harry, try and see if they took a flyer there. And so far that hasn't really worked out. Um, with him, you know, being injured so far and probably missing the first couple of weeks of the season um, and to take, an, you know, burn another draft pick, and another reclamation project. You know, that would have been a pretty risky proposition for me. But, you know, him coming off the wear, waiver wire here, um, he's under contract for three more years. Um, he, they had the fifth year option if he does end up working out for them, which is pretty nice flexibility to have. And it's about a three year deal. Um, worth just under $60 I believe. So, you know, you're looking at these cap hits. They're super, super tiny um, each year. And especially for the Bears, they have all the cap space in the world. So if a lot ones doesn't work out you need to cut him, like they have the flexibility to move on from him. Um, and, again, every year is guaranteed money. So he's he's got guaranteed money every single year. I think that's kind of like the one drawback of picking him up on the waiver wire is that, you know, he's got some guaranteed money. He's not just a, a you know, one-year minimum type of flyer there. But, you know, Again, I like the idea of taking a guy with first-round pedigree, bring him in, uh, see what the coaching staff can do with him. We've seen what they've done with a guy like Tevin Jenkins who struggled uh, with injuries, and you know, there was a lot of speculation of what he was going to be um, for this team, whether he was going to get traded. And right now he's competing for a starting right guard spot or has locked down the starting right guard spot now that they cut Michael Schofield. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm all for it at this point. You know, see what they can do with him. They've been locked down for three more years, and if he pops off, then guess what? You have the fifth-year option available to you. That's four more years of control for him under contract. So um, I don't mind it. Um, it's, a, it's a good move to have. Now, some of the other waiver wire moves that they made here, um, I'll, they had I think, six waiver wire claims, I think, in total, which is a lot. It was one of the, the highest amount in the NFL. Uh, looking at all the waiver wire pickups um, on offense, they had uh, Trayvon Wesco, a tight end from New York, uh, from the Jets, you know, very good blocking tight end, kind of fits that mold of what they want to do on offense with having another blocker out there. Um, Kingsley, Jonathan defensive end from Buffalo. Uh, he's a rookie this year. So they pick him up. Um, I think the big one for me is Armand Watts for the Minnesota Vikings. That was my favorite pickup um, because Armand Watts, you know, he's nothing special, but you know, he's a pretty solid defensive tackle. He had a breakout season for the Vikings last year. I think he had like five and a half sacks. So they bring him in like the bears, Defensive tackle is a big need for them, so they bring him in, and I think that really improves their defensive tackle room moving forward. Sterling Weatherford, kind of a hybrid safety linebacker, special team type of guy, really athletic dude. Um, I I like that pickup. Um, Josh Blackwell from the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, And then, yeah, I mean, just a lot of solid moves here to bring some talent here. Any one of those guys stand out for you, you say, in terms of uh, the waiver wire pickups?
1: Well, I think Westco is one of the guys that stands out because – there were multiple teams in on Wesco and ultimately the Bears were the highest in the waiver order, which is why they were able to go ahead and get him. But, you know, going back to Alex Leatherwood, and I think this is the common theme with all six of these waiver wire pickups is that when you look at all of these players, I mean, they're going low risk, high reward on all these guys, which, again, has been the theme this offseason for Ryan Poles and Matt Iberflus, but also kind of getting away from that. There's something to be said for the 53-man roster, where when you kind of just look at everything that's ensued over the last 24, 48 to kind of 72 hours, right? I mean, you look at some of the names on the Bears' final roster. You're looking at Jack Sanborn, who was an undrafted free agent this year. You're looking at a guy like... Treston Ebner, a sixth round pick, you know, Jatir Carter, another late round pick who ended up making the Bears roster. So the point here, I think, is this right, is that ultimately, I mean, this is Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus's roster now, and they are not afraid to kind of cut bait with anyone from the previous regime. Now obviously there are exceptions to every rule. But just kind of looking at some of the players. That the Bears move on from today. After bringing in these six new guys. You have Kyrus Tonga, Caleb Johnson, Duke Shelley right. All three players that the previous regime was looking to go ahead. And develop into just serviceable depth pieces. All those guys completely gone. So. The point is, I think, is that Ryan Poles is not afraid to bait with any player, especially someone who just does not fit the system. And so for the Bears, right, it's full steam ahead now with the Ryan Poles era. And when you look at the final 53-man roster, I mean, you know, you could argue that there's a point in keeping a player like Michael Schofield just for veteran depth. But then ultimately, the Bears' actions also tell us that they want youth over veteran experience. So the Bears are willing to say, yeah, we're going to have one of the youngest rosters in the NFL. And we're just going to go through these growing pains because we're in this for the long haul. Where Last year, when we were sitting here and discussing the same topic, one of the points of conversation was, well, the Bears have one of the oldest rosters in the NFL. And now they've all of a sudden got one of the youngest.
2: Yeah, if, I, if I'm counting correctly here, I'm just looking at the 53-man 53, 53 man roster. So, off the top of my head here, I got 15, I think, rookies um, or first-year players, whether they're drafted or undrafted, on the 53-man roster this year. I mean, that that is a ton of first-year players to be playing here, and not to mention some of their second-year guys. You look at Justin Fields. You look at uh, Larry Borum, Tevin Jenkins, um, some of these other guys here that are uh, roster spots. Uh, this is a young group here, um, not to mention, like, more guys in the rookie contract, third-year guys like Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet, Jalen Johnson. Um, so a lot of youth on this roster now. Um, they, they still have, because they have some old dudes like Riley Reif, um, you know, kind of bumping the age a little bit, Cody Whitehair bumping the age up, Eddie Jackson, you know, some of these veterans, Lucas Patrick. Like, they still have a relatively old roster compared to the rest of the NFL, but when you look at the actual core group of this roster now, it's a pretty young group. And that's exciting to see, I think, because, um, again, we knew this going into Rebuild here that they had to get younger. They had to get their cap situation figure out. They had to, um, you know, get rid of some of the dead weight of some of these big contracts and um, get some more guys on rookie deals here that um, they can build around. Um, because, really, it's all about if you can get a bunch of good talent on rookie deals here, that gives you a ton of flexibility for what you want to do building your roster going forward. Because, I mean, the foundation of teams are built in the draft, not in free agency, um, not in the trade market. Usually like you want to get guys, draft develop guys, bring in young talent and see what they can do. That's exactly what the bears are doing here. Um, talk about Jack, Jack Sanborn being a nice story here, him earning spots in this linebacker room. Um, I mean, that's, that was really something where I, I felt like going into, uh, this season, uh, this training camp that Jack Sanborn would have been the UDFA that I would have bet my money on to, um, make the roster just because of his background at wisconsin like he just always seemed like a very safe nfl prospect i, I was very surprised he went undrafted i guess he's he's not the greatest athlete but you just knew that he was going to be a very solid you know backup type of player in the nfl it's what his that's that's what his profile always suggested at wisconsin but it's very interesting to see how the bears manage this roster here because they made some big cuts here michael um, schofield uh, he was kind of uh, one of the, I guess, big name signings for this Bears team uh, at the offensive line position, along with Riley Reef right before training camp. Right on the start, um, he doesn't make the team. They end up cutting Thomas Graham. He makes it back to their uh, practice squad. He's another going, another, again, another one of those Ryan Pace picks um, where uh, he gets cut, doesn't make the 53 man, fifty-three man roster, but he's still on the team and on the practice squad. Uh, they let go of Daz Newsom, which I know a lot of you know, a lot of North Carolina fans, you know, Zach um, <laughs> might not be, um, might be a little, uh, i have been to stri- strike the heart there for our guy, Zach here, but um, our, pu- our publisher, but uh, cause he's a North Carolina guy, but yeah, I, I, other than that, I mean, again, there weren't really many cuts that really surprised me, I guess, again, Kyrus Tonga getting cut, um, you know, but other than that, I mean, I don't know. I just, I just didn't feel like there's a lot of surprising cuts for me. It, it, it felt like, you know I, I had a pretty we had a pretty good idea of who's going to make this roster going into it um, and the fact that they were able to bring in a bunch of guys after the fact uh, from other organizations uh, speaks volumes to this front office being active on the waiver wire and you know being willing to upgrade this roster any way they can so what I want to do to for this next pros- uh for this next part of the pro- uh, podcast is uh, just go position by position here breaking down who's on the 53 man roster and then just giving her quick thoughts on it now, we can start the quarterback position because I think that's pretty easy um, to break down. It's, it's only two guys here, Justin Fields um, and Trevor Simeon. Again, you know, this is what teams are doing most of the, most of the time now only they're only carrying two guys, two quarterbacks on the rosters um, with a quarterback being on the practice squad. The bears, they have Nathan Peterman, I think on the practice squad right now. So they're doing pretty much what every team is doing here. Um, I, there's not, not really lots of breakdown here because we know that Justin Fields is a guy. But, um, I, I guess the one thing we can, you know, talk about with, when it comes to the quarterbacks this year is, you know, how do we think that the the development of Justin Fields is doing, is, has been going so far? Because obviously he's coming off that, um, really awesome Browns game where he threw three touchdowns. He looked fantastic in the first half. Um, PFF had him as one of the highest graded quarterbacks in the entire preseason. He had over a 90 grade, again, small sample size and whatnot. But, um, you know justin fields it looks like he's making some big strides here in year 2 which is a very exciting sign for bears fans heading into the regular season
1: Sports betting continues to take over the sports world. And with fall right around the corner, there's going to be action from every major league sports league across the country on our own TVs. If you're like me, you're glued to the couch watching as many games as you can. Our friends at Oz Trader have got you covered with all the odds for each major sports book from around the web, all in one place just for you. As an added bonus, OddsTrader even compares the sign-up codes and promos so you get the best deal possible. When you're trying to find the best book, it's always best to have the best sign-up codes and promotions. Sometimes those even come with boosts, even additional money deposits. The app gives you a complete rundown on any game, including statistics, injuries, key game stats, game day weather, keeping you, the fan, as informed as possible. And sometimes if you're like us, You've got multiple bets going at once. Odd Trader will keep track of them all in one place for you. So what we want you guys to do is this. Head over to oddtradercom slash BlueWire. Once again, that's oddtradercom slash BlueWire, the number one website for all your game day bets. Yeah, it certainly is an exciting sign to look at. And I think that part of the reason that Justin is making the strides that he is is because they're playing in an offense that is two things number one it is more friendly so it's like a justin fields friendly offense and number two they're finally playing to his strengths and one of the things that no one talks about in this offense and i feel like you know expectations for justin have kind of been all over the place in the sense that you've got some people that say have the bears really done enough to go ahead and help Justin take a second year leap compared to the other second year quarterbacks that were in his draft class. You've got, you know, Bears fans talking about how Justin Fields, the expectation is franchise quarterback MVP level. But I also think that people have to set realistic expectations, right? And part of setting realistic expectations is... For the quarterback is also looking at just the roster around the quarterback. Now, when I look at the core that the Bears have assembled around fields, yeah, there's some upside there, but it's not like it's anything that blows you out of the water. Okay. It's not like it's a very high risk, high reward type of offensive core that I would go ahead and say the Bears have around fields. Like we've heard really good things about Cole at this offseason. We've heard great things about Dardale Mooney and Mooney had a phenomenal year last year despite playing through a groin injury and basically having four quarterbacks in his first two seasons in the NFL. But I think that ultimately when we talk about expectations for Justin, people have to understand something is that, if he doesn't win MVP in 2022, it's not going to be that big of a deal, okay? If he just shows steady incremental improvement and he's the reason that the Bears offense is getting better each week, that should be enough progress in people's mind because quite frankly, after the last season, I think it's unfair to him to have to set these expectations that Justin, you have to be a franchise quarterback in 2022. Now, to be clear, am I saying that Justin can't be a franchise quarterback? No, that's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying we have to kind of pump the brakes on expectations for him.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, you have to be realistic, I think, with the situation he has. Obviously, from the looks of it, it looks like Getsy's doing a much better job of making this a quarterback-friendly offense for Justin Fields, giving him you know easier reads, um, doing a better job of skipping scheming, scheming guys open, getting on the move a little bit, utilizing play action, moving the pocket a little bit, just doing things to get him more comfortable in the scheme of the offense. So that's a positive that I am looking forward to this year. I think that's going to be pretty self-evident um, based off of what we've seen gets you coming over from green Bay, which is a pretty quarterback friendly offense. In fact, I'd say that it is one of the more quarterback friendly offenses in terms of, you know, just making things easy on quarterbacks in terms of just the throws at the type of throws that they're making, the type of scheme that they're running um, you know, the way they scheme guys up. So, um that is a positive here and i think it's going to really help justin Fields. but like you said i mean again we have to be we have we, we can't get too far ahead of ourselves and think that you know just because if justin feels like if there are some bumps along the road here and Justin feels you know doesn't take that justin herbert joe burrow type of second year jump uh or patrick Mahomes i guess in his first full year as a starter you know if he's not doing some amazing stuff like that every single week that you know that he's a bust or anything i think like you said like You want to see incremental improvement every single week. You want to see him get better and better. You want to see his process get better and, you know, just see him do well at the little things of playing the position. I think if you see that incremental growth throughout the year, it's going to be a successful season for him moving forward, where I I think if you're a Bears organization, you'll feel good about him being the franchise quarterback, even though, There may be some weeks where the results aren't going to be there just because, you know, the bears are going to get out talented by a lot of teams and, you know, there are a lot of smart defensive coaches that will take away some of the schemed up stuff that uh, Luke Getzi will bring to the table here. So um, again, there are going to be some growing pains here. There's going to be some ups and downs like development isn't a linear thing. So there are going to be um, some bumps along the way, but if you're willing to stick with the bumps, I think if Justin Fields continues to show those high end flashes and shows a pretty consistent improvement um, you know it's going to be a nice year for Joseph Fields again i'm not i'm not going to put my expectations too high in terms of like him having to have certain like box score standards like, i think box score sounding scouting in general is just the wrong way to go about it but you know if he takes if he looks significantly better than he did last year and you know he can win the bears a couple of games off of his back alone, basically just putting his team on the, on his back. Um, I, I think those are some things that you're looking forward to uh, from him. Just seeing more consistent flashes moving forward. So moving on to the next position here. Um, again, that's a lot to not a lot to break down here, but you know, running back David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert, uh, and Emner. I, I found it interesting that they only kept three running backs here, but they also have two fullbacks on the roster here uh, with Kerry Blassengame and Jake Tongas, who's kind of a fullback tight end. Hybrid here. Uh very interesting that they have um, again, not a lot of running backs, but two fullbacks here on the roster. Very curious to see how they uh, manage that situation. Blasting game is more of that traditional uh fullback where you put him in the backfield and he's just kind of like that uh guy that's gonna be paving the way for the running back in the i formation and whatnot. Can you know leak out to the flat and be a threat in the passing game a little bit, but that's not gonna be his role. He's a blocking threat. Primarily, Jay Tongas, again, he's more of that move tight end, fullback type of hybrid player. So very interesting the way they d- they're doing here. It's very Shanahan-esque in terms of the way that they're going to be operating with um, traditional fullbacks here. So for all the Bears fans that love fullbacks, um, this is kind of a throwback to those guys over here. And uh, I-, I think a lot of Bears fans who like that old school football are going to like the way that this roster is constructed from that standpoint.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting because last year at this time we were sitting here and talking about how we felt as if the running back room was the clear strength of the offense and, you know, not much has changed. If anything, I would argue this, that the running back room has actually gotten stronger because a player like Tristan Ebner has showed a lot of potential. Then you have a player like Khalil Herbert who's basically coming back for another season. Now, ultimately, I think when you look at this running back room, like, once again, it's going to be a strength. But what makes this team so, I think, unique is that if this offensive line can get things figured out, then I think that David Montgomery is going to be in for a career year. And I'm honestly of the opinion that you shouldn't be paying running backs. And as much as I love David, I do think that this is his last season in Chicago. So, you know, you look at this running back room, I mean, As well as some of the fullback guys, right? You've got Tongus, you've got Blasting Game. I think that both are incredibly smart players. What I find to be so interesting about Blasting Game is that. When he was with the Titans, right, you had Packers head coach Matt LaFleur, who was one of the offensive coordinators there for a season. And knowing Lou Getzey and how he comes from that kind of Matt LaFleur, Kyle Shanahan coaching tree, it certainly makes sense as to why the Bears are so high on what Game is able to do. So this running back room, right, I, I would say this right now. I think that the sky's the limit for them going forward. Yeah,
2: and I think they're going to find a way to use all three of these guys. I think Dave Montgomery and Khalil Herbert, they're going to get the bulk share of the carries. I don't think it's going to be one guy dominating all the carries here because I think Khalil Herbert, I think he is stylistically a better fit for what they want to do with the outside zone, wide zone runs game. He has better speed to the edge than David Montgomery, so it's just, it's just a matter of style and, and fit right there. Um, but Montgomery's going to get the bulk share in terms of like he's going to get the majority of the touches for this running back room. But Khalil Herbert, I think, is going to be pretty close behind him. Um, he's just maybe not the threat that Montgomery is in the receiving game. But um, I think Ebner is going to have a role as well. Um, he brings a little bit more um, of a speed element to this running back room that Montgomery doesn't have. And I think he's a little bit faster than Herbert, but he's also a better receiver, more of a natural receiving threat than Herbert is. So he's going to be more of a receiving option. I think for this running back room, it makes a lot of sense the way they have this kind of constructed here. So I'm excited to see what they do with this because um, you know, look at Getsy again, coming from the green Bay Packers in the way that used Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon um, as kind of like two number one running backs in his uh, as a sorts, like each of them have different skill sets, or Aaron Jones, he's, he's a better receiving uh, running back than A.J. Dillon, but A.J. Dillon kind of adds more of a power element, so, you know, does David Montgomery kind of fill that power element? Does Kalu uh, Herbert run more of that, you know, outside zone element? It's going to be very interesting to see what they do with these running backs here, I'm excited to see how they manage this here um, for this upcoming season. Now, uh, moving on to the wide receiver position, I think this is going to be Wide receiver and tight end here will just lump them together because this has kind of been the most maligned group for the Bears. I think all off season, especially from us included, um, because you know I haven't been particularly high in this wide receiver room um, going back to you know some of the moves that they made or didn't make in the off season to upgrade this room. But we look at it now. Um, we obviously have Darnell and Mooney. They, the Bears ca- are carrying six wide receivers as of right now. We'll see what happens with, with Nikhil Harry. I don't know if they're going to put him on uh, injured reserve. They just put Tajay Sharp on injury reserve today so he's going to be out for the entire season with a rib injury but otherwise the bears have six wide receivers here darnell mooney byron pringle equanimous st brown Vils jones jr uh, dante pettis and akil harry and i i kind of felt like the top four was going to be um predictable in terms of you knew that darnell mooney byron pringle uh, st brown because of his familiarity with the offense and Jones being a third round pick that those are going to be the guys that for sure made the roster. Um, Clearly they saw something in Akil Harry to bring him in from the Patriots and trade a pick for him. So even though he's injured right now, they're probably going to keep him around for the not too distant future until he can get back and kind of prove things on the football field. Um, It's interesting that Dante Pettis though makes the roster because I think he's made quite an impression um, in the preseason. Um, He actually, he obviously had a nice couple of last, Last couple of games in the preseason, he's made some plays in training camp. Um, has shown to have a nice rapport with Justin Fields, and it shows him things as a route runner. So um kind of a name to keep an eye on for Bears fans here because I, I as, a, as a vet minimum pickup, he's kind of bounced around the league a, a little bit. Titus, you know, you know, he's a former second-round pick, so a talented dude. Um, he's got some quickness. He's got some route running abilities. So kind of excited to see what he can bring to the table here. And then a tight end, Cole Komet, Ryan Griffin, and then Wesco, who we already talked about here. So only three tight ends. I'm kind of remodeling that tight end room sort of, uh, a little bit around Cole Komet. So um, what are your thoughts on this skill position uh, group for the Bears here? And, um, you know, who do you think can be that guy that steps up here alongside and Mooney and Cole Komet, who are probably going to soak up a lot of targets for this group this year?
1: Yeah, and that's really the big question is who's going to be the guy that steps up. I'm going to go with rookie Valus Jones Jr. Because when you look at Valus this offseason, I mean, there's a couple things to note, right? When we were at Hallis Hall and we kind of heard him speaking because you and I were both there for training camp a couple different days Veilis kind of talks about how the Bears have been playing all three wide receiver positions from F to Z to X. And so that kind of signals that they're ready to move Veilis Jones Jr. all over the place and that they see him as a versatile chess piece. I think that Veilis, doing that with Veilis really maximizes his skill set. So for me, he's got to be the player that's going to step up this year because this race right now is about as wide open as it gets. And what I mean by that is that had you looked at this roster going into training camp your initial impressions would have been that a player like a Darnell Mooney as well as Byron Pringle are going to be your wide receivers one and two but then obviously what have we seen over the last couple weeks right we've seen Equinemius St. Brown really emerge and I think it's very clear that when you watch Justin in training camp when you watch Fields in training camp I mean there were times the Bears were doing red zone drills every single day, and number 19 was consistently getting the ball in the red zone, which just kind of speaks to Justin's confidence in what he believes Equanimia St. Brown can really do. So, overall, I think that, you know, Jones Jr. and St. Brown are two guys that are kind of going to take a leap this year. And ultimately, I mean, if we're going to be honest here, there probably is not going to be a role for Byron Pringle on this team much longer. And and what I mean by that is that if these young guys kind of pop up and show up, right, and they have big seasons, the Bears have zero reason to bring back Byron Pringle because, again, he's only on a cheap one-year deal. You look at the tight end room, and, well, it's Cole Comet's room, right? No more Jimmy Graham or Jesper Horsted or any of that. A player like a Ryan Griffin provides some depth, and then you just hope that you have enough in Trayvon Wesco to kind of allow him to develop into a solid type end that can hopefully complement Cole Comet for the future.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data And listeners of this show will get a seventy five dollars sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.comslash blue wire. Just go to indeed dot com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed dot com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed.
2: Yeah, I mean why does uh You know, tight end, it's pretty self-explanatory, like you said. Like, Cole Komet's going to be the guy. uh, Griffin and Wesco are going to add more of a blocking presence to this unit. So they're clearly putting a lot on Cole Komet here to be kind of the receiving threat at tight end. Um, And we'll see if he steps up. That's kind of been, like, some the the one thing that's kind of bugged me about Komet is that I'm just not sure that he's, like, an actual threat in the passing game. Like, I know he racked up a lot of receptions and yards last year, but a lot of those were empty yards and reception, so to speak. Like, they didn't really make much of an impact. So can he be a legitimate threat in the passing game this year to really make an impact for this for this offense? Um, that's kind of the thing he has to prove going into his third season here, first year in a new offense. So uh, that's kind of the big thing at tight end. But, I mean, like you said, wide receiver, we have to see who steps up here because we know that Darnold Moody, you know, he's going to be the guy. He's going to be the guy that they move all across the formation as a, kind of that Z wide receiver. Um, you know, Equinemis St. Brown is kind of their classic – x wide receiver to kill harry kind of fit that role as well although he's more of a blocker um he's pretty much kind of like a tight end um like an undersized tight end so to speak so um, both kind of fill that bigger outside wide receiver role um and pringle where he fits in you know if we're looking at this in terms of ideally what he would fit in was be if they're an 11 personnel he'd be that slot wide receiver that can block and um you know make plays underneath um kind of be that security blanket guy um and maybe get get some yards out to the catch but you know he hasn't been on the field a bunch he's been dealing with some injuries um and like you said if if a guy like villas jones jr and dante pettis and these other young guys can step up um that could make byron pringle expendable here again He was only a one-year deal so it's not like they invested a ton in him anyway um so yeah i mean that's the skill position um, group for this Bears offense right now. So we'll just to see how that plays out going into this year. Um, last thing on the offense here, let's look at the offensive line real quick. Um, again, we talked about this group a bunch, but um, just going down the line here, you got Braxton Jones, Cody Whitehair, Lucas Patrick, Tevin Jenkins, um, Larry Borm, and they're kind of going to be your five starters. And then you got Riley Reeve who's setting up to be the team's swing tackle moving forward. Um, they brought him in right before training camp, and that's where he's at right now. Um, Tyree Carter, he was one of the four six-round picks at offensive linemen that the, Bear, that the Bears made, and he's the only one that makes the roster. Doug Cramer, he's on injury reserve for the year. They cut Zach Thomas, um, and well, they only have three, actually, now that I think about it. So only three six-round offensive linemen, I believe. So uh, Tyree Carter, he's the one that ends up making the roster here. They had four total day three offensive linemen picks. That's where I got it mixed up. Um, But, yeah, so good for Jatari Carter to make the roster here as kind of like their swing guard here um, to beat out um, Michael Schofield for that backup spot. Sam Mustapher still here as that backup center. And then, obviously, Alex Leatherwood, who we already talked about, um, who I'm not sure if he's going to be guard for this team or tackle, but um, he's got the flexibility to do both, although right at this point probably doesn't have the ability to do both very well. But, um, you know, this is an interesting group, only nine offensive linemen on this roster, so – um, what are your thoughts on this group? You said, and you know, do you think this is a group that can come together and really improve off of what they did last year, which was you know not a great year, but you know, you ideally have to see them get better compared when you look at all the guys that they brought in.
1: Yeah, I do think that they can get better compared to last year, and the reason being is because. Chris Morgan, the offensive line coach, he I think is a phenomenal coach. I believe that, you know, every time you watch him up close, Chris really gets into it. He's someone who's an incredibly hands on player. So when you look at this offensive line group, right, what the Bears, I think, are hoping for this year is just the simple fact that, you know, a lot of this young talent plays up to its potential. And what I mean by that is that you have a young player like a Larry Borum, let's say, okay? Now, had the pace and Nagy still been here, Larry Borum, we'd be talking about him as a left tackle, okay? Or right tackle with, you know, the messy Tevin Jenkins situation. But ultimately, I think that when you look at this regime in general, they've kind of settled down with regards to where they're at, especially with a lot of these players. So I do think that this kind of offensive line is really going to be more stabilized than a lot of people are willing to admit. Now, with that said, I mean, Cody White here, probably not going to be back next year. And then also you've got Lucas Patrick, who again is coming off a thumb injury, right? And hasn't really kind of started practicing yet. So with Lucas, it's one of those where, you know, the Bears are probably going to go with a fill in and Sam Mustafar to Lucas's back. And after that, just kind of bump Sam down to second string on the depth chart. Because ultimately, I mean, the emergence of Tevin Jenkins makes Sam Mustafer more expendable than a lot of people are willing to admit. Yeah,
2: I mean, I mean, I think the biggest positive for this group has been Tevin Jenkins stepping up at right guard. He looks like a natural fit there. Again, there were a ton of questions. Uh, you know, I thought he was going to get traded when the rumors came out. Like, I, I just felt like it was a foregone conclusion. But for him to come back after, you know, what was a pretty weird first week or so of training camp where he just wasn't practicing, you know, I, we still don't know the full story there. But, you know, he's looked pretty good at right guard, I, I should, I will say. And if he can really step up and be that guy for them, like that'll be a huge development because going into the year, like that right guard position was a huge like black hole for this offensive line group going into it. And for him to be that good, you know, to step up like that, um, it you know, it really solidifies their interior a little bit because Lucas Patrick, you know, he's kind of a, a replacement level guy. Most teams he's a backup, but you know, he comes in here, you, he knows the system he, he's solid. You're not, you're not too worried about him. He's not great, but he's, he's not a detriment to your group. To your, to your unit either. You know, Cody Whitehair, we know what he is. He's kind of an average starting guard at this point in his career. Um, maybe he gets back to, you know, not his Pro Bowl level of play, but, you know, gets back to a little bit closer to what he was, um, you know, in 2019, 2018 beforehand when he was an above average pretty good starting left guard. You know, maybe the scheme uh, change does help him a little bit there, but I'm not counting on it. You know, as of now, he's, he's an average guard. The questions really come at tackle because you have two, you know, fifth round former fifth round picks at tackle now with Braxton Jones and Larry Borum. You know that could be something where that could really break this offensive line and this offense moving forward. To be quite honest with you, because Braxton Jones, he's he's looked fine at left tackle so far in preseason, but you still worry about him when he has to go up against some of the better pass rushers, especially in, in the division when you got guys like Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, uh, Daniil Hunter, Darius Smith. Um, Eddie Aiden Hutchinson now in Detroit. So um, I worry about these tackles going up against some of these top guys. Like week one, you got Nick Bosa coming into town, and that's going to be a tough matchup for them. So um, it does worry me a little bit There's that tackle spot. But I feel better about the interior moving forward. And, you know, this is a very young offensive line in terms of some of the guys that they're building around here. Like Braxton Jones, he's young, rookie player. Tevin Jenkins, obviously a young player. Larry Borum, second-year guy's. Um, Mustafa is still young, even though he's probably not a guy you're building around here, but you're bringing Alex Leatherwood, who I think is still 23 years old. So a lot of youth here, they're really trying to rebuild this unit. You know, you got Carter here. So, um, I think that's one positive here is you want to see these young guys really play this year, see what they got. And that lets you know, going into next year, whether offensive line is going to be a group that you need to really address moving forward because it's going to be an important spot for Justin Fields and his development to have that protection up front. So we talked a lot about the offense here. Um to avoid, you know, going over on time, let's get to the defense real quick and, and quickly get through this defensive roster. Um so let's start with the defensive line here. Um look at the starters at defensive end. You got Travis Gibson, the defensive tackles, you got uh Justin Jones to that three tech. Um Angelo Blackson is still here. You got Robert Quinn obviously. Um and then behind them at edge rusher, you got Dominique Robinson, a rookie fifth round pick, Al Khadi Mohamed, um, who was signed from the Indianapolis Colts. They picked up Kingsley Jonathan from the Buffalo Bills. And then at defensive tackle here, you got Armand Watts and Mike Pinnell Jr., who's kind of that traditional nose tackle, run stopping guy. Um, so this defensive line, um, you know, it's still, for me, it's still a bit of a weakness for this defense moving forward. I'm not a huge believer in what they have here in terms of you know, long-term working out for them, but there are some intriguing pieces here. You know, Justin Jones has looked a little bit better than I thought he would at that three tech spot in preseason and in practice. Um, He's been disruptive. He's looked pretty good there. Um, You know, Robert Quinn, you know, he's still a pretty dang good pass rusher um, when he's flying off the edge. You're hoping to see some development from guys like Travis Gibson here um, and Dominique Robinson, a rookie, you know, fifth round pick. So, um, a lot of upside here, but there is some downside to this group, I think, as well that kind of has to be mentioned.
1: Yeah, you're right. You know, when you look at the defensive line this offseason, I mean, ultimately, the Bears pretty much got rid of all the cornerstones of the defensive line from the Pace, Nagy era, Keem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, Bilal Nichols completely gone, and then Mario Edwards Jr. was also released on Monday, and so now that I think really brings up the question of what this defensive line is going to look like. Now, you have Robert Quinn and Travis Gibson who, again, have played in four, three defenses before, so these are not necessarily new to them, and then you factor in just the simple fact that Rob has kind of consistently had to switch around teams in his career. So this transition with a new regime and new coaching staff does not appear to be incredibly difficult for him. Plus, the coaching staff really loves what he has to offer. I think just overall, when you look at the front seven in general, I mean... It's an interesting group. And it's interesting because when you look at it, right, they certainly are going to have a number of plays this year where you're like, you know what, they're building something now. Ultimately, the outlook of this defense would be very different had Larry Ogunjobi signed and been totally healthy. But we know now that's not the case. So for the Bears, I mean, it just comes down to the simple fact that Ken – this defensive line hold up enough and then you look at the linebacker core i mean you've got nick morrow roquan smith i think with the roquan saga that entire mess it's not necessarily over but it is one of those where you know roquan's ready to prove himself nick morrow was out all of last year with a knee injury I believe it was I'm a little wary about him and then you've got you know some backups such as Matt Adams Jack Sanborn a couple players to really be confident in especially Sanborn because Sanborn like you mentioned he's not the greatest athlete but he is a pretty solid hard nose playing old school linebacker
2: Yeah. And the linebacker group is interesting. They also got Sterling Weatherford who they picked up. Um, so, you know, it's five linebackers on the roster here. I think the Roquan situation is going to be interesting. We haven't seen him out with this, uh, this defense yet. Um, you know, Roquan, it's going to be very exciting to see what he does in this defense, because obviously this is a defense where Matt Eberfuse, he's a linebackers coach by trade. He's very good at coaching up linebackers in the past and, Obviously, he did a lot of good work with Darius Slender. Darius Leonard was one of the most impactful defensive players in football over the last four years um, as a second-round pick um, for the Indianapolis Colts defense. So can Brooklyn Smith get the best – can they get the best out of him here where he can earn that long-term extension with the team here? I think that's one of the things that that's going to be a big storyline for this defense this season. Um, but, I mean, there are some intriguing young guys in this roster here still. Again, Nicholas Morrow, like you mentioned, Matthew Adams – Bring that continuity from the Colts, and then Sanborn, Born, the local kid. Um, you know, he's going to be a nice, I think, run stopping presence for them on early downs. Um, if you can earn playing time there, add some some presence to the special teams. You know, a hard hitter, a hard working guy. So uh, that's your linebacker group. I, I think when you look at the front seven as a whole, like you said, I mean, there's a lot of youth here. There's a lot of, um, you know, it's definitely a lot, a lot of the case of they're taking chances on some of these guys to see if they can kind of step up for them. Um, and if, if they do great, if they don't, like, there's not a lot of invested in these guys so they can move on next off season and bring in some more talented players. But, um, you know, again, a lot of youth here. And I think that's, that's going to be the, the the thing that really, you know, makes or break this group moving forward here. Um, but in, in terms of a group here that I think is going to be the strength of this defense here, let's look at the secondary. Um, cause I think, you know, if there is one thing that I'll applaud polls for doing here, uh, this off season is that you know, he's kind of built this defense from the back to the front. So he's, he's built this thing from the secondary forward to the front seven, um, making the secondary a strength first. And then, you know, having that, you know, trickle down to uh, the front seven. Um, and you look at this, this secondary here, you got Jalen Johnson, Jaquan uh, Brisker, Eddie Jackson, Keller Gordon, kind of going to be your base starters here. Um, and then, you know some of the depth behind these guys. You know Lamar Jackson, not not the quarterback, but Lamar Jackson, the corner, he earns a spot in the roster as a as kind of an outside corner here. Kendall Vildor is still here. Uh, Jalen Jones, an undrafted pickup, I believe. Uh, he's been competing as a slot corner for them. Um, really nice to see him make the team. He's looked pretty good as a slot corner for them. So uh, that's a nice find for this this uh, for an office. We'll see if he can translate to the regular season games here. Um, and then they they bring in Josh Blackwell from the Philadelphia Eagles as well. So um, good depth at the cornerback position. Um, I, I well, I wouldn't say great depth at the cornerback position, but you know they definitely upgraded with bringing in Kyler Gordon here, and they got Jalen Johnson. So um, you know, pretty good starting duo right there. And Kyler Gordon is Kyle going to get some get some run in the uh, in the slot as well. Uh, but then at safety, I think it's going to be a really going to be a strength of this roster. Here. You have Dane Crookshank, who they brought in from the Tennessee Titans. Uh, DeAndre Houston Carson, he's one of the holdovers from the pace era. Clearly this coaching staff likes him to be able to keep it to keep him around um, moving forward, because you would think that, you know, DeAndre Houston Carson being a pace guy that, you know, he would have moved on to another team, you know, maybe moves on to the Atlanta Falcons where all the pace guys are going these days, but um, for him to stick around here with the bears uh, we know what he brings good special team or a guy who can step in and, and be pretty solid if he's asked to play. And then rookie Elijah Hicks, who's a South round pick for them. So secondary, you know, there are some questions, I think about um, some of the depth that corner, but I think overall, like you look at the starting group here, there's a lot to like about what the bears did with their secondary this off season. And a lot of young talent here as well. When We look at Brisker and Keller Gordon, two guys who I think could be centerpieces for this group moving
1: forward. Yeah, I definitely agree. When you look at the secondary, right, there's just so much to really like about what this team is able to go ahead and do. I think that ultimately when you look at the secondary, you're right. It is kind of a back to front type thing. And what excites me the most is Jaquan Brisker, Kyler Gordon, two players who really flash early in camp. Jaquan kind of came back to practice on Wednesday, August 31st, you know, spoke to the media, says that he's ready to go for week one. So ultimately, you know, when you look at that, I mean, from Brisker to Gordon, right, there's just a lot of young talent to really like in the entire group. And so when you look at it ultimately, I mean, this could very well end up being one of the best secondaries in the NFL. Yeah,
2: well, we'll see what happens. I mean, young secondaries, they do tend to – know have their ups and downs but I think if you know the coaching is strong here with Eberflus and um, they can really hit the ground running here with some of these rookies in year one you know I think this could be a secondary that does develop by the end of the year and we're looking at this as a legitimate strength of the defense moving forward here which is very exciting because with the way the NFL is trending, you want to have a strong secondary and if the Bears can get that here I I think that would be a very positive development for this team uh, moving forward so uh, you know, that's pretty much the 53-man roster. I mean, I guess I didn't mention the specialists, but you got Trenton Gillett-Punter, Kyra Santos, a kicker, Patrick Scales, long snapper. You know, I'm not going to really waste any time, um, you know, breaking that down here. So that's the 53-man roster. Um, a lot of exciting stuff, I think, in terms of, you know, a lot of activity for this Bears franchise the last few days. So, um, you know, looking forward to the start of the season, and we'll just have to see – where this team is at um, for week one against the San Francisco 49ers. Um, You know, know, I expect this this roster to be churned a little bit throughout the season as well um, once things get going. So exciting stuff there. Um, So to wrap up this podcast today, um, we're going to talk a little college football here, just really briefly to wrap it up. Um, We each have our game of the week for college football, you know, college football week one is starting up. Uh, They had week zero this past weekend, but you know, this weekend um, is kind of the official start of, the college football season. So, uh, you said, what is your game of the week here? Looking forward to week one of the college football season.
1: Yeah, so I'm looking at kind of the showdown that everyone's had on their calendar, taking place on Saturday night: Notre Dame versus Ohio State University. Always a fun time, I think, when these two teams go at it. And you know, for Notre Dame, you've got players like tight end Michael Mayer and edge rusher Isaiah Foskey. Those obviously are two guys that a lot of people are pegging his early first round picks for the 2023 NFL draft. And then for Ohio state, you know, there's just more and more talent coming out. You have Jackson Smith, the the wide receiver dynamic playmaker going to have to fill some big shoes this year, taking over for Garrett Williams, as well as Chris Olave. You've got CJ Stroud, the quarterback who again, you and I kind of are in consensus that he is QB1 heading into 2023, especially compared to a guy like Alabama's Bryce Young. And then, you know, we've seen players like the Bosa brothers, as well as Chase Young declare as edge rushers over the last couple of years. We might want to add Zach Harrison to that as a guy that is on a lot of people's watch list. edge rusher, really dynamic athlete, really Good mover in space, really able to kind of continue to play with a high motor as an edge rusher. So Notre Dame versus OSU Saturday night is going to be a fun one to watch.
2: Yeah, I think that's one of the games that's going to be on my radar this weekend. Um, I'm really excited to see ZG Stroud. I think, uh, you know, like you said, he's our quarterback one going into this thing. And, you know, is he going to take that second year jump? Because he was terrific last season, especially at the end of the year. You know, can he ride that momentum going into this season and really become, you know, not just, you know, a very talented young prospect, but that dude going forward for this draft class here? So I'm excited to watch Stroud. I'm also excited to watch uh, Notre Dame, like fosky um he's an edge rusher, then I'm excited to see you know what he can do um, going against his Ohio State offensive offensive line to you know put some pressure on Stroud. Um you mentioned Mayer at tight end spot. Um, you know, Jared Patterson at center. So there are some guys to watch on Notre Dame side, but you know, I'm 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 looking forward to Ohio State and their offense. You know, the Jimba, you know, Stroud, like those are the two guys I'm gonna be watching because you know. Stroud's probably going to be a top quarterback in this year's draft class. And Jimbo, he could be a wide receiver that's available for the Bears um, near the top of the draft year if the Bears are picking high enough and wide receiver is still a need for this team. So yeah, that, that's an exciting game. Um, for me, my game of the week is going to be Georgia versus Oregon. Um, that's going to be on Saturday as well during the day. Um, so that's going to be. Um, kind of my top game here and I'm interested to see how Georgia does kind of repeating um, as national championship here you know what does Stenson Bennett do um, in his second full year as a starter for Georgia here you know does he take a step forward and kind of show that he can be an NFL prospect you know I'm not too high in, on his NFL prospects but you know we've you know we've seen guys you know with his profile come in and be backup quarterbacks in the NFL so um, can he kind of develop into that type of a prospect from forward? You know, he, he made some big plays for that Georgia team down the stretch last year. Um, so, you know, can he take another step this year? Um, but, you know, I, I think the biggest name to watch here is Jalen Carter for uh, the Georgia defense. You know, all that talent leave, leaving the Georgia defense, um, you know, during this last draft cycle. And Jalen Carter, I thought it was their best defensive lineman last year. He's still there. So I'm excited to see what he can do. In um, his second full year as a contributor here, and you know, is he going to be just having an otherworldly season here? Um, we'll see. You know, that Georgia defense, I think, is you know going to reload here and be pretty damn good uh, moving forward. But I'm just, I, I'm just ready to see Carter because I think he's one of those guys that I'm targeting for the Bears. Um, it's early on in the prospect in in the in the uh, process here, but he's my early target for the Bears because they need to get that three tech long term with his defense. I think that's a that's a position that they want um, to you know kind of have locked down long term. And Carter, he just has the perfect profile to fit that mold. So I'm excited to watch that game. But you know, I'll say Notre Dame is another good one as well. You know, a lot of exciting games this weekend. You know, it's the start of college football. I'm really excited to get back into uh, into this where. You know, football season—it's back, guys. You know, we have you know college football on Saturdays. We have NFL football on Sundays. Monday night football is going to be around the corner. You know, Thursday night football—you eh, know—you know—we'll see how Thursday night football is this year. I think they're on Amazon this year, so that's going to be a new type of thing uh, to get used to here. So that'll be interesting here. But you know, we, we're getting the full slate of weekends. Like, guys, our weekends are back, guys. Like, we have you know, we have our full we have our full weekends. So it's going to be. Fantastic. I can just sit at home and just watch football on weekends. It's going to be great. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, we're, we're, we're so close to getting that. Um, but it's an exciting time with, you know, the Bears roster cut downs, getting that 53 man roster, you know, this is it. Regular season is here guys. And um, let's just ride, let's just ride the ride here and see what happens moving forward. Um, it should be a lot of fun as we get into this upcoming season. So um, that's going to wrap it up for us here at the Picks for polls podcast. We've covered quite a bit here today. So, um, you know, make sure to follow us on social media and, and follow us on uh, blue wire pods as well um, to uh, follow us on social media on Twitter. you can uh, Give us a follow at Picks for polls. That's our Twitter account. So make sure to give us a follow there. Um, you say, where can our listeners find you on Twitter, uh, social media, and find your work um, as a whole.
1: Yeah, guys, so you can follow me on Twitter as well as Instagram at Usaid Koshal. You can follow my work on the Bear Report. I post kind of weekly, couple articles each week, just detailing everything that's going on at Hallis Hall. And also, fun fact, the Bears have one of the youngest rosters in the NFL now with an average age of 25.7 years old.
2: Absolutely. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Aj Freeman 25 Um you know, follow my work at the Bearport. Going to be picking up my tracking the trenches series once the actual regular season games start. I'm really excited to do that this year with a lot of new faces here to watch. So um, that's kind of been my favorite thing to do for the Bearport uh, over the last couple of years, and I think it's going to be my third year doing tracking the trenches. So really excited to do that this year, guys. So um, take a look out for that when the regular season games do begin. So. Uh, just really excited for football to be back officially here in a regular season capacity and um, with college football right around the corner, you know, starting up. I mean, kind of started up last weekend, but officially getting it start this weekend. Uh, there's a lot to look forward here for football fans. So uh, for all of our Bears fans out there, you know, have a very fun and safe weekend, uh, guys, and uh, bear down because we have one week to go. And then it's on, guys. Bears football is back. Bear down.